the message I preach in the morning, the first service, is a good prelude to this message, but I will recap a little so that um, you can uh, partake in it, so that you can get the foundation upon which I'm building what I'm about to share. Galatians 6, I'm reading from verse 2 to verse 10. Galatians 6, verse 2 to verse 10. And I read, Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man sweat, that shall he also reap. For he that sweat to his flesh shall of his flesh reap corruption. But he that sweat of the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. As a topic for this second service, I will be preaching on the subject, keep on using every opportunity. Keep on. Perseveringly, continually and constantly. Keep on using every opportunity. Every opportunity, keep on using it. Constantly, continually and perseveringly. Shall we pray? Father, thank you for the opportunity we have to come into your presence today. It has not met us on a sick bed. It has not met us in the prison yard. It has not met us in a place we wouldn't have desired it to meet us. It has met us in your house. Father, we pray this morning that the word you have sent to us, we will mix faith with it and it will do us a lot of good. Let your spirit, let your word have a free, free course amongst us and be glorified. And let the reason and the purpose for which you are sending this message to us be achieved, O oh God. And let the reason for which you have brought each and every one of us into your presence be also attained. We glorify and extol you. Thank you, Lord. We give you the praise and the glory and the worship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Keep on using every opportunity. As a church, God has declared that this year will be a year of great opportunity to us. The implication of that, amongst other things, is that you and I will have uh, several more than ordinary chances of favorable circumstances to secure or get many things done. One of the things you can look forward to this year is that you and I will have several favorable circumstances and opportunities to be able to get many things done. Many things we have wished done, many things we have desired done, 
many things we have expected to be done. There will be special favorable circumstances this year that will make them possible, that will make them easy to be achieved, that will make them very, very convenient to be attained. In other words, during the year, diverse and varied circumstances will present themselves before us, will present themselves to us, will present themselves around us to be able to achieve and attain certain things we have always wanted to achieve. Now, having said that, let me move on by saying this. Ordinarily, most people this year, because God has declared that this year is a year of great opportunities, will be on the lookout to get opportunities to get ahead. And there's nothing wrong with that. We are on the lookout to get opportunities to better ourselves. Many of us will be on the lookout to get opportunities to engage to the opposite sex and to marry. Many of us will be looking out for opportunities to make more money, opportunities to travel, and opportunities to do more business. Uh, all of those things are not wrong. You have the right to look forward to such opportunities because God has declared that this year is a year of great opportunities. Of course. Many of us will, will be looking forward to opportunities to connect with people. Opportunities to buy land, to build houses, to make profitable investments. It's wonderful to look forward to such opportunities and there is nothing wrong in looking forward to such opportunities. But let me add a little bit of caveat, caveat here. That if all the opportunities you are looking forward to are only opportunities to make more money, opportunities to better yourself, opportunities to get ahead, opportunities to travel, to do more businesses, opportunities of such type. If those are the only opportunities you have been looking forward to, I want you to know that there are other forms of opportunity that God wants you to look forward to. It's not just enough for you to look forward to those opportunities that are earlier on enumerated because there are other opportunities that God wants us to look forward to. There's nothing wrong in looking forward to those opportunities. But there are certain other opportunities that I know ordinarily, um, ordinarily and casually most people will not look forward to. And that is one of the opportunities I want to consider this morning. Or this morning into early afternoon. I know there are other kinds of opportunity we need to look forward to. And one of the opportunities you need to look forward to in this year is an opportunity which as believers we need to use to do good to other people. Opportunities to do good to other people. I mean it is not wrong for you to look forward to opportunities to travel, to marry, to start your business, uh, to get promotion in ministry, but another opportunity we all need to look forward to this year is opportunity to do good to other people. The opportunity to be a blessing to someone else. The opportunity to see what we can do for someone. You and I need to be on the lookout everywhere, every time and with reference to everything we need to look at to see what we can do to help someone especially those of the household of faith. And that is the message of Galatians 6.10. It says, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto 
all men, especially they of the household of faith. Out there this year, there will be opportunity to do good to others. Opportunity to do good to all men. You will discover in the scripture we read from verse 2, it's so clear what the opportunity in verse 10 is all about. In verse 2 it says, Bear ye one another's burden. In this way you fulfill the law of Christ. The law of Christ is the law of love. And love is one, one thing that if you succumb to will lead to you using the opportunity to help others to achieve in their lives what they cannot ordinarily achieve alone. So, the big question I want to ask is, are you looking for that opportunity? Are you looking forward to that opportunity of being a blessing to someone? Or being able to help someone achieve and attain what ordinarily they may not be able to achieve on their own? Opportunity to bless someone. Just as you and I need to be sensitive and recognize what I call opportunities for our own good. We also need to be sensitive and recognize opportunities that will be presented to us for other people's good. Alright. People always think about opportunity for their own good. Opportunity to marry. Opportunity to, 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 to improve my income. Opportunity to travel. Now those are opportunities for my own good. But you also need to be on the lookout for opportunities of to opportunities for other people's good. And those are opportunities to be able to help someone. And that is what that message in Galatians 6.10 is echoing. As we have therefore have opportunities, let us do good to all men. So there will be opportunities this year to do good to all men. Now in the first service, I explain what it means to do good. Because some may say, well, how can I know I have an opportunity to do good? What does it mean to do good? What does it mean to do good? I mean, I, I define it, sir. I, I want you to define what it means to do good. What are those things that fall into the ampit of doing good? What are those things? And in the first service, I gave seven definitions. And I will quickly run through those definitions before I begin to go into the message of today. Of uh, this afternoon. So, what does it mean to do good? Because the Bible says do good. The Bible says bear ye one another's body. What does it mean? Uh, what is it that is involved in bearing somebody else's body? In what way? And what are the parameters? What are the indicators? What are those things I need to do for someone in order to be able to bear their bodies? And I will go through the seven points very quickly. What does it mean to do good? It means the following seven things. One, it means to do what as a believer we believe and know to be right. What as a believer you believe and know to be right. As a believer born again, filled with the Holy Spirit or just probably even born again, there is a spirit in man, the inspiration of God gives it understanding. I mean, some people at times will do some things and give you the impression that they do not know it is wrong. But you see when they do that, if someone does something and gives the impression that he does not know it is wrong, that person is probably not born again yet. Even unbelievers will tell you that that thing is not right for a Christian. 
Because there is something in man that tells man what is right or wrong. There is a spirit in man, the inspiration of God giveth understanding. So for you to do what is good, it means, number one, to do what as a believer you believe and know to be right. What is it that is right? I mean, when you do what is right to somebody or for somebody, you know you are doing them good. What is it that is right, for example, for a sister who's got a friend and the friend is in courtship with an unbeliever man or with a married man? What is it that is right? You need to rebuke that person. Now that is what is right. You need to tell that person to desist from such. That is what is right. Uh, what, what, what is right for a Christian who is an accountant in a so-called Christian organization and who is being persuaded by the, CS, the CEO to lie and fraudulently manipulate figures? What is it that is right? To speak the truth. So... When you, when you know and do what is right, you are doing good to that person. You are doing good to that person. When you rebuke somebody for lying, you are doing good to that person. The person may not see it as that or see it as such, but that is what it entails. Deuteronomy chapter 12 verse 25, Deuteronomy 13 verse 18, and Deuteronomy 21 9 tells us, you and I need to do what is right. We need to do what is right. Because it is right. Not because it's going to be easy to do, but because it is the right thing to do. Number two, what does it mean to do what is good? It means to do whatever the Lord tells us to do. The Lord will never tell you to do evil. He has never been known to tell anybody to do evil. You know, at times some people tell us this is what God said I should do. I always know that they did not hear from God because if they do what they say God told them to do, it is contrary to his nature. Uh, God does not tell anybody to do evil. God does not instruct anybody to do evil. But God will always speak to us. So whenever God tells you something that you need to do, that is a good thing to do. When God tells you what you need to do, stop coming late to service, that is a good thing to do. When God tells you, uh, stop despising your friend or your neighbor or your pastor or your leader that is a good thing to do so secondly how do I define doing good it means doing whatever the Lord says to me to do the word of God tells us in Luke 6 46 why do you call me Lord Lord and do not what I say Matthew 7 21 it is not him that said unto me Lord Lord but he that doeth the will of my father which is in heaven and one thing about the will of the Father is that he makes them known. John 7, 17, he that will do my will will know of my doctrine. So the second definition of dreams, well, uh, what is good means to do whatever the Lord tells us to do. He will never tell you to do evil. Isaiah 30, 21 said, thou shalt hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk ye in it. Number three definition of what it means to do good. It means to do whatever the word of God commands us to do for others. What are those things that are already commanded in the word? God may not speak to you to do anything, but the word of God has already commanded what you are supposed to do to others or do for others. God's word tells us to rebuke. I like that scripture in Ecclesiastes 7.5 that says open rebuke is better than secret love. You need to rebuke some of your friends, some of your colleagues, some of your associates. It is good. It will make them happy. You may not be in their good books. But that does not stop you 
from saying exactly what the word of God tells us to say. I mean, Samuel was speaking to Israel in 1 Samuel 12, 23. He said, the Lord forbid that I sin against him in stopping to pray for you. He said, but I will teach you. I will teach you the right and the good way. So when you and I uh, tell, do whatever the word of God says we should do for people or do to them, that is, we are doing what is good. Now, the scripture here says, for example, in Galatians 6, 2, it says, be ye one another's body. In this way, you fulfill the law of Christ. So, whenever you do what the word of God says to people or for people, I mean, you are doing what is good. Because some people say, I don't know what it means to do good. The Bible says, in verse 10, as you will have therefore opportunities, let us do good unto all men. So, what is it to do good? Number four. It means to do what as a believer we know and believe to be good. What as a believer we know and believe to be good. Not only as a believer do you know what is right. As a believer you know what is good. If someone is discouraged what is it that is good? It's to encourage them. If someone is hungry what is it that is good? Is it to pray for them or give them food? <laughs> it is to give them food. If someone is thirsty, what is the good thing to do? It is to give them water. If someone is thrown into prison, what is the good thing to do? To visit such a one. If someone is going through a hard and a harsh time, what is it to do? To stand by them, to help them in whatever way you can to lessen the burden and not to add to it. So it means to do... What as a believer we know and believe to be good. Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 18 says, You and I shall do that which is right and good in the sight of the Lord. The same truth is echoed in Deuteronomy 12, 28. Number 5. What does it mean to do uh, what is good? It means to do whatever Jesus will have done if he were the one in your shoes. All right. It means to do whatever Jesus will have done if he were the one in your shoes. Um, several years ago, there was this popular thing called WWJD. WWWJD. What will Jesus do movement? And people had pendants, people had rings, people had books, so many books written on what will Jesus do. I like it. Several years ago, I bought a book titled Practicing the Presence of God. And what that book really says is that wherever you are, in whatever situation and you are confronted with the circumstance, one simple question you ask yourself as to what you should do is, if Jesus were in this situation, if Jesus were in this circumstance, what will he do? And whatever you believe Jesus will do, based on your having read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, based on the fact that you have the spirit of Jesus in you, you know, the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 9, whosoever does not have the spirit of Christ is none of his. The Bible tells us, 1 Corinthians 2, 16, that we have the mind of Christ. So, for you to know what is good for you to do for a brother or a sister is to ask yourself that simple question. What will Jesus do if he were in my shoes? If Jesus were faced with this situation where this husband and wife are quarreling, will he say he serves them right? They didn't go for counseling. It serves them right. They, 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 they didn't cut for long. Will Jesus do that? No, he won't do that. What will he do? He will reconcile them one to another. You see, at times when two people are quarreling, 
it is not the ministry of Jesus Christ to try and separate them further. Because there are some of us where we know that people are quarreling and people don't see eye to eye. Instead of bringing them together, we try to put salt into the wound. We try to make it more and more impossible for them to be reconciled to one another. And that is not what Jesus will do. He is a reconciler. He is a restorer of the past to dwelling and a repair of the breaches. God's word tells us, Matthew 5, 8, greatest sermon that was ever preached, the sermon of the mount, say, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. I have done that in the nations of the world. When I hear that this pastor does not talk to that pastor, this church people don't mix with that church people, when I visit, I ask for the other pastor and I try to broker a deal. I try to bring them together. I try to take them out for a meal because I know that's what Jesus will do. Jesus will want his watchmen to see eye to eye. He will want his watchmen to fight one another with what God had given them to fight the devil with. And that's the problem in the church today. What God has given us to fight the devil with is what we fight each other with. They are the very thing that we use against each other. What God has given us to fight Satan and put him where he belongs. They are the very same thing that you and I are using. Listen, the title of the message is keep on using every opportunity. Opportunity will come to travel. Opportunity will come to marry, engage. Opportunity will come to build a house. Opportunity will come to make more money. Opportunity will come for admission. But there are some other opportunities that will come for you to be a blessing to someone. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good. Paul did not exempt himself and is not exempting anybody. Let us do good to all men. Ladies and gentlemen, we need to use every opportunity. Now, number six definition of what it means to do, to, to do good to others, it means to meet the need of people and their desires. Consider what they want and meet their need. Uh, the need of some people is probably companionship and ear to listen to, a shoulder to cry on. That is the need of some people. So when you know a particular person's need and you meet it, you are doing good to that person. I gave them this example in the first service that a dear lady, a member of this church before, who now resides in Lagos, I mean, she called me and before I could even say hello, she started talking. And she talked for one hour, 15 minutes. I didn't see anything. I was just like, mm hmm, mm hmm, okay, ah, yay, praise God. God will help. And I had, after she had spoken one hour, 15 minutes, I admonished her. Don't worry, God is good. He will help you. He will bring you out. He's faithful. This is a great year. This is a year of great opportunities. You give opportunity to be able to. I spoke and then she dropped the line and she was smiling and then dropped the line. Then she called back later and said, Sir, I am so relieved. I said, Why? He said, Not that the things that I've said have really changed. He said, But that you listen to all the rubbish I said. I said, Ah. So at times the greatest need you can meet is just to listen to somebody. Just listen to them. People don't, people are lonely in life. I remember the sister, one of her sisters, <laughs> she told me this, she said, she, she just called out of the blues, I think. She just called out of the blues and I said, where are you? She said, I'm in Lagos. He said, sir, I want to say something. I said, what is it? He said, I feel lonely. I feel lonely. I feel unloved. I feel uncared for. I, feel, I said, do you have a flatmate that you live in? He said, I said, yes. I said, do you go to a church? He said, yes. Ah. I said, okay, let me pray about your situation. So I, 
I told her to come back in two days, then I prayed. And God shared some truth with me. And when she called back yesterday night, as I was thinking, he said, that is exactly correct. What you're saying is correct, sir. It's co ah, ah. He said, thank you very much, sir. Thank you very much, sir. Now, I met her need without giving her money. I met her need without seeing her. I met her need in a particular way in which it was urgent. Her spiritual life had come to a standstill. He said, all the spoon feeding we used to do here in Rema Chapel, where she is now, she doesn't have the time. She's so busy, she wakes up 4 o'clock in the morning and never gets back home until 10 p.m. every night, Monday to Saturday. And so I started telling her that there are practical ways in which she can use her time while she's on the job. There are things she can do while she's on the job. I said, what's the nature of your job? She described it. And I gave counsel. You see, at times, doing good could be in form of things or in form of words. You don't have to give somebody money before you give them, before you can help them or help them with their desires or help them with their needs. So, what it means to do good at times, it means to meet the need of people. People want to hear, people want to see, people want to know, people want insight on certain issues that are confusing. I remember people at times, I call some people and they say, sir, sir, I have a problem with prayer. I say, go ahead. And I would, they will spend my money and they will explain and I will take time. I won't, I won't allow the fact that I'm speaking to them put me under pressure that my credit is fast disappearing. At times they will even crack jokes and say, I went there, they say I should stand, I stood, and then they say I should come, I come. Now, you know all those things, they should have cut it off. But they will keep on and on and one man will just, he just kept parabolating. He said, well, what I'm saying may not have any meaning. He said, what I'm saying may not have any meaning about 12 times. And I said, why are you still saying it? He said, I just don't know. I just said, you know, sir. And he kept, and at the end, he said, thank you very much, sir. He said, just listening to me is all I want. He said, nobody listens to anybody here. He said, there is nobody who can see everybody who said they have their own problem. That is Lagos. You have to find your own way. <laughs> you have to find your own way. And he said, I've been trying to find the way and I cannot find it. <laughs> I said, well, you no longer grow up in the dark. I listened to him. I prayed over him. I prophesied. I helped him with what he wanted. Now, that is doing good. That may be the best thing that can change that person's life. That may be the, the turning point in their life. So, as much as we have opportunity, we should do good. How do we do good? By meeting the need of people. Now, let me give you one more definition. And then I can go on to what I want to share with you. A right, seventh definition of what it means to do good. It means to do for others what we want others to do for us if we were in their shoes. If you are in somebody else's shoe, what will you want them to do for you? If you are the one who does not have enough money to pay your house rent, what will you want someone to do? You want them to assist you with money. Now, if you know that is what you want others to do for you, when you are in that particular situation, that is what you should ask. That is what you should do for them. That is good. Because it is something you will expect them to do for you. It is something you will expect them to do for you. If you will expect someone to encourage you when you feel discouraged, then encourage the discouraged. It is your need that should determine your seed. The good you should do should be determined by the kind of what you want someone else to do for you if you were in their shoes. If you lost your job, for example, what will you want someone to do for you? I mean, you will want someone, if you lost your job, you want someone not just to pray for you, but also give you some support. 
while you are between jobs or what, 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 what you call while you are looking for a job so as you want men to do for you Matthew seven twelve says that is how you do so whatever you want people to do for you if you have a baby what do you want people to do for you you want them to come and greet you okay what again you want them to give you something in support of your naming ceremony okay what again you want them to buy clothes for your children okay what again now those things that you will expect them to do those are the same things you should do for them ladies and gentlemen let us know these that this year there will be opportunities that will come our way not just to travel not just to marry not just to do business not just to make money not just to meet people but there will be very many opportunities that will come your way to do good to somebody scripture here says as we have therefore opportunity as we have therefore opportunity let us do good now this is a year to expect opportunities and the opportunity that will come may not just come in terms of the one you can use for yourself it may be the one you can use to bless someone else because that's the message now let me say this to you and this is where i hit this other topic i want to deal with today there are so many there are so many if you are going to use every opportunity if you are going to keep on using every opportunity especially opportunity to do good to all men especially those of the household of faith i want you to take note of the following six things six things if you are going to keep on using opportunities not just opportunity that are set before you for your own good but opportunity that are set before you for someone else's good you are going to have to take note of the following six things very important the following six things are going to be very crucial number one if you are going to use opportunities to do good to all men you will need to realize that it will cost you something opportunity to do good for someone or to someone is expensive it's demanding and it will cost you if you are going to bear a burden it will cost you if you are going to be a blessing to the pastor blessing to his wife blessing to a colleague blessing to your flatmate blessing to a fellow church member blessing to another member in the body of Christ it will cost you it will cost you something you have to have that at the back of your mind so that you will not now be using the opportunity and be complaining the word of God tells us in Romans 14 verse 20, 22, 23 the last part says happy is a man, verse 22 happy is a man who does not condemn himself in the thing that he approves when God used the opportunity to bless us to bless us, he does not upbraid to upbraid means in Yoruba they will say which means for doing it he's complaining opportunity that will come your way to do good will cost you something it will cost you something opportunity to use opportunity, opportunities that you use for yourself may not cost you so much but opportunity to bless someone will cost you something and there will be several of such opportunities 
But there will be a price tag. Number two, utilizing the opportunity God will give you to do good will require commitment and effort. You will have to be committed to it. If you are going to do good to someone, it is something you are going to be committed to. I like a Yoruba day that says, uh, which means whatever you are going to do for someone, you have to make sure you do it to the end. Which means if you, if you separate him in a fight, you have to escort him home because the other agreed party he may still show up on the way home. Which means if you make a white garment for a lazy person, you have to dye it because a lazy person cannot be expected to wash a white garment all the time. So you are going to have to be committed. If you are going to, if you are going to use an opportunity to help someone, to do good to someone, you are going to have to be committed. You can't do it half-hearted. Hebrews 6, 12, be not slothful. But followers of those who do faith and patience inherit the promise. You cannot afford to do it half-heartedly. The Bible says in Romans 12, 11, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit. We have to be given to it. So if you are going to, really, if you are going to use the opportunity to do good to people, there is going to be required a level of commitment, a level of devotion, a level of not looking left or right, a level of sacrifice. Hebrews 13, 16, he said, but to do good and to communicate, to do good to others and to communicate, forget not, for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Philippians 4, it is a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing in the sight of the Lord. Number three, you need to keep these things in view if you are going to do good. Utilizing the opportunity to do good to all while solving some problems may create other problems. When Jesus Christ came here, what was he doing? Ah, chapter 10, verse 38, how God anointed Jesus Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. Who went about doing what? Good. He went about good. Doing good. But it created problems for him. There is no way you can be involved in other people's life and it will not create problems. It will create problems with the devil. I have been involved some time ago in doing good for someone and the devil came to attack me. The devil attacked my finances. And I saw dreams and revelations that warned me that I should desist in helping that person. I should stop. I should leave them alone. Let them face the music alone. If you're going to be involved in other people's life, be ready. It will create some... Why you are helping to solve people's problems, it may create problems in your own life. You are interested in settling a quarrel between husband and wife. You may not be surprised when you see that your own marriage begins to suffer. You are interested in eradicating, eradicating ignorance in the body of Christ. You may not, it may not be out of place for you to see that your health begins to suffer. Your own health begins to suffer. So in helping people and, and doing good to them, while you are helping them with their problems, it will be creating some of the problems. 
Some people think if they are bachelors and they get married or spinsters and they get married. Some women have told me, ah, if I just get married, I know my problem will be over. I said, no, your problem will be over. Your, your problem will not be over. Your problem as a spinster will be over, but you create a problem as a married woman. And there are issues in that, in that situation. Uh, the Yoruba says the person who has money it's money that will kill him and the person who does not have money is money that lack of money that will kill him the person who does not have children is complaining they don't have children and the person who's got children is complaining they have children I remember the woman yesterday night I remember this woman she was waiting on God for the child who, she will call me in the night I've just dreamt I've just eaten she has just given a blow in the stomach I'm bleeding again and all that. She will call me and I will call back and I will pray for her and I will minister deliverance to her on phone and so on and so forth. Now eventually she had a baby and she has not even allowed me to rest. All through the night, every hour she was calling me. I know you don't sleep on Saturdays. My baby's temperature is very high. Yo. <laughs> it's very high. Yo. I said, please woman, when you did not have a baby, I know. Now you have a baby. I said, ah, ah. Even if the baby go to the husband's house, the woman will still be calling me. What I'm saying is this. While helping other people solve their problems or getting involved with people who solve problems, it will create other problems. Daniel was helping the king solve his problem. It was creating a problem of hatred. Joseph, Joseph was helping Pharaoh and Potiphar with their issues and was creating a problem for him. The problem that Apostle Paul had, it was not because he was doing evil. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 to 28. He said he was stoned. He was left in the sea. He was he almost, he was stoned and left for dead. He was flogged several times. Why? Because he was doing good. You need to be ready. If you are going to get involved with people, be ready. There will be opportunities to get involved with people. But while certain problems have been solved, others will be created. So have that at the back of your mind. Have that at the back of your mind. Let me give you two more here. Utilizing opportunities to do good requires a lot of self-denial. Jesus told that rich man in Mark 10, 21, go, sell all what you have, give to the poor, come, follow me. And the man went away sorrowful. <laughs> it requires self-denial. One of the callings of my life is to help churches small churches grow to help young ministers mature it requires a lot of self-denial it requires a lot of self-denial there is no way you can be able to help some people if you don't deny yourself you have to deny yourself Jesus Christ came and denied himself of his glory that he may make us to become as he is he became as we were that we may be as he is he who knew no sin was meant to be sin, that he may be, we may become the righteousness of God in Christ. All things are lawful, but not all things are expedient. All things are lawful, but you will not be brought under the power of anything because you want to be a blessing to people. It will require self-denial. Some money that you have set apart for yourself, you may have to give it away. You are going to make your need second. Look at what happened in First King chapter 17. The widow had no husband. There was famine. And the famine was grievous and sore. And she had an opportunity to be a blessing to the man of God. She had to deny herself. 
The food she was supposed to eat was the one she gave to the man of God. Now when the opportunity comes to do good to someone, to bear someone else's burden, it may not be that you have enough to do it. So you may have to deny yourself. You may have to look away from some immediate needs of yours. Because the opportunity comes. Just like when you have the opportunity to travel and they say go and get a passport. Now there may be 7,000 in your hand or 10,000 or 14,000 as the price may be that you have and you have planned to use it for something. But because the opportunity to travel comes, you deny yourself of whatever that thing is, a new shoe, a new shirt, a new trouser and you don't get the passport so that you can use the opportunity. In the same way when the opportunity comes for you to be a blessing to someone else, you may call for self-denial. Another thing is this. If you are going to use the opportunity to do good to some other person, you must develop a narrow focus. You must look at God only. I'm going to tell you the reason why. If you are going to use the opportunity to do good to someone else, you have to make up your mind not to look at that person. You have to make up your mind not to look at other people around you. You have to make up your mind to forget about yourself and have your focus on God. I have set the Lord before me. You need to develop a narrow focus. I will have stopped using opportunity that I have to do good to people if not that I have developed a narrow focus. My eyes are ever towards the Lord. If you look at people, I will tell you that in a minute, you'll be discouraged. The people that you're doing good to. Ah! I remember one man that came to me and said, Sir, I have this, I have this. And told me all the things. And the money I was supposed to use for something crucial, I gave it to him. And he went and bought suya and coke. Now that we forever have said, okay, that's it. That's it. If you saw, his lips were dry. So when I saw him eating suya and coke, I said, this is something me too I don't do now. Ah. He said, that's what I want to eat after. Nothing can be better than that is what I want. I said, okay, oh, thank you very much. Oh. Say thank you, sir. Even if you tell me to take, you must develop a narrow focus. You must develop a narrow focus. You must never allow the fact that they are saying this, they are doing this to affect you or else you will discover you never see the need to continue using the opportunity. Some things you cannot use that money for, they will use it for it. I will explain that in a little bit later. And then finally, and this is the point I want to amplify a few in the next 30 minutes there about. And this is it. If you are going to utilize the opportunity to do good to all men, especially to those of the household of faith, you must take heed that you don't get tired or you don't get weary doing it. That is the message of Galatians 6.9. Galatians 6.9 says it very clearly. 
You know in verse 2, he said, bear you one another's body. In this way you fulfill the law of Christ. Then by the time you get to verse 9, he said, and let us not be weary in well-doing. One of the things that can happen to you as you use the opportunity to do good to other people is that you may get weary. Weary. There are many things that people are weary of. Some people are weary of their hair. Some people are weary of the house they live in. Some people are even weary of the town they live in. Some people are weary of the dresses they have. But let me say this to you. This is one danger. This is one obstacle to helping people. Getting tired of helping them. Getting tired of helping them. What does it mean to be weary? The word weary that is used there in that particular scripture is the word egkakio. E-G-K-A-K-E-O. Egkakio. And what it means is to be tired. Tired. It means to be worn out. It means tired as a result of hard or difficult thing. Helping other people is a hard and difficult thing. It's hard and difficult to do good to people. It's hard. I can tell you after 30 years of being a Christian, after so many years of raising ministers, after many years of planting churches, after many years of meeting several Christians, you can easily get tired. You can easily weary. You can easily be worn out. To be weary means to be without further patience. To be without further patience. To be without further patience. To be weary means to no longer have the zeal for something. To be weary means to be exhausted. To be weary means to be disheartened. It means to be dispirited. In other words, like the wind has been taken out of yourself, you are no longer excited about doing it. That is why the title of my message is keep on using every opportunity. Now, the word of God here is warning us about something so crucial. He said, and let us not be weary. It means there is the probability and there is the likely occurrence of being tired. And I know what it's, I know what the scripture is talking about. Because verse 10 says, as we have therefore opportunity. But you know that many of us see opportunity, but we are just tired. We are just tired. It's not that we do not know this opportunity to help somebody. Fulfill their dreams, achieve their goals, get to where they are going, become the kind of person they should be, but they are tired. Do you know I have noticed that at times when you separate people from quarreling, they can put it on your head. When you try to shut two people who are disagree with each other, before you know it, I know two frontline ministers that I try to settle their quarrels till today, both of them hate me with perfect hatred. And they are seeing each other behind me. And it was their fight that I got involved in. Which became my own fight. It's hard. You get tired. And so when ministers fight, you just say, look, it's none of my business. But you see, it's our business. Because they are part of the body. And if one member suffer, all suffer. But people just get tired of doing good. I laughed about a couple of husband and wife fighting. 
and before they knew what was the man tried to get him to intervene he lost an eye he lost an eye in a trouble it was not his wife that poked his eye it was somebody else's wife now if you hear such a testimony and you see the man with one eye and you see people quarreling will he not say eh and the devil will probably tell you your own day has finally arrived too and that one will get you tired you move back I become tired. You see, some people you try to do good to them uh, and they begin to respond like, like it is you you are doing good for. It's like you gain something out of it and you're getting nothing. But you see, that's an opportunity you are going to have to use. That's an opportunity you're going to have to employ. That's an opportunity you cannot close your eyes to because it has its own reward despite having its own challenges. I mean, when Joseph interpreted the dream of the chief butler and the dream of the chief uh, 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 of the other person, they forgot him. But not everybody will be the same because when the Pharaoh's dream now came to be interpreted and he interpreted it, the other two people did not remember him. One was killed, the baker, the chief baker was executed, but the chief butler was not. But when he interpreted their dreams, they never remembered to say thank you. But when he interpreted Pharaoh's dream, that's why I say you need to keep looking at God. Pharaoh promoted him to the highest position that there was for anybody. That's not the fact that he was not born in Egypt. So you are going to have to stay focused. Weary. Get tired. It's easy to get tired when it comes to doing good. You see, opportunity to do good to people. So the Bible here is not just let us not be weary. Let us not be weary. Paul raised up many ministers in Asia and they all departed from him. They all departed from him. He said, all that I did in Asia have departed from me. All the ministers I raised, they left me. They abandoned me for dead. What does it mean to be weary? It means to wear out. It means to be burdened. I like these two definitions. It means to lose interest in. To lose interest. When they say you are wary of using opportunity, you lose interest. You lose interest in it completely. They are saying it and just lose interest. Someone comes to tell you, you see, my wife is in the hospital. My children is in this place and this place. I know a man came here and gave us that cock and bull story. My wife is in the hospital. My two children are going to be operated upon. They drove me out of my house. I don't have food. I don't have anything. The next thing was that we gathered money. We labored. We gathered money. We gave it to that person. The next time we saw him, he was in Coca-Cola Road drinking beer. With church money. Someone saw him there. And I asked the person, what were you looking for there? So the person came and told It was in the early days of the ministry. It was tough. We didn't have the money. We had to squeeze ourselves. But we are walking in the liberty of the scriptures. As much as it's like within you. It says, make sure you, 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 you do good to all men. Now the scripture were following. And was drinking beer. So I had to go to the place and I saw him. And he looked at me and he, he identified me quickly. He said, pastor, do you also come here? I said, no. 
He wanted to push something that was normal. I said, no, I'm here to see you. I said, you came to the church, you remember? He said, oh, yes. He said, yes. He said, but I have so many problems I'm thinking, and so I just have to cool down and knock it out. Ah. I said, okay, oh, thank you. You know such things? To lose interest. The word weary means to seek him. You are just sick about it. And I like this other one. It means to relax effort. To be weary means you relax effort. You are no longer putting as much into it like you used to put into it. Now, quickly for a few minutes, I want to look at seven reasons why people get tired of using opportunities to do good. Seven reasons. Seven reasons why people get tired of using opportunity to do good. To all men. Especially those of the household of faith. I remember one day while the church was still small and was still laboring and I was still on 345 Naira. There was this brother that came to my house. He said, I've not written in three days. I said, really? He said, yes, sir. He said, things have been hard, tough, rough. I said, really? The little from the little money I had gave it to him. He went away and we did not see him again in church. The next time I saw him, I said, why did you come to church? He said, my problems are too many. I don't even have time for church. I said, oh. You see, such things make you lose interest. We were trying to do this thing for you so that you can remain with God. We are trying to show you the face of God. We are trying to show you the love of God, the heart of God. And even in what we are doing as much as we have done. He said, you have too many problems that you don't even have time to come to church. And I told him, I said, I said, if you have so much problem as you have told us, it is church you should be dying in. You come to church and die there. We have ministered deliverance to some people and you think after that kind of deliverance, you fasted, you are marathon to minister deliverance to them. They were running around the whole place vomiting and screaming and the next time you heard that they have gone to party and so you begin to say is this thing worth it do I need but you see an opportunity to do good is not something you should slack you shouldn't lose interest that's what the word of God says and so you must have a narrow focus you must your eye must be towards the Lord you must set the Lord before you and he must be on your right hand so that you will not be moved because there will be reason to be moved. Seven reasons why people get tired of using opportunity to do good. Number one, because of unworthy, ungrateful recipients. Unworthy and ungrateful recipients. Unworthy and ungrateful recipients. I have given you several examples and even you as an individual can remember some examples. People that should show gratitude but by their behavior, they have proved that they are not worthy the energy you spent on them. Number two reason why people get tired of using opportunities to do good. Because of the non-participation of others. Others who are supposed to be doing their own part as well are idle and they are feeling unconcerned. So the burden is on a few people and they are tired. In some churches, it's the same people. 
You go to for school fees. The same people you ask for our strength. The same people who are paying tithe. The same people who are giving offering. The responsibility of all of us have been left on the few. And so the few are tired. Nehemiah 410 says, Because the strength of the bearers of burden are decayed, that is why there is much rubbish. The few rich people, not rich as such, but the few people who take this commandment seriously, they are the people that everybody now puts everything on. And that is why the few people are tired. Just a few people who have been doing it are still the same people who are doing it. I remember the woman who complained to me. He said, my husband does not work at all. He said, I'm the one who goes out to work. I'm the one who brings money home. I'm the one who is getting pregnant almost every other year. I'm the one having all the children. And when I come home, he will cross his leg and say, bring food. Say, I'm tired of this marriage. See, this marriage is slavery. I'm supposed to help you, but I have taken over everything to the point that you're doing nothing except to pregnant me and to eat food. How did I get to the this story? They came to me and the woman said, The man refused to work. Every work is not good enough for him. And after the woman goes to work, the woman will bring money, the woman will go to the market, she will buy the food, she will cook the food, the man will eat the food, and the man will still not allow her to rest after eating the food. And the woman has to wake up early in the morning to go to work, take care of the children. The woman says, I am tired. People are tired because just a few are the people doing the business. And that is how it is in churches. Most people in the church are not putting anything into Using opportunity to be good to other people. It's the same people that give tithes that we see go to when youth fellowship wants to do something, single fellowship wants to do something, men fellowship wants to do something, women to do It's the same people. It is the duty of all of us. Never in the history of the church has the responsibility of all been left on the shoulder of a few. And that is why people are tired. The second reason why people are tired of using opportunities. It's because everything has been left on them. Martha told Jesus, he said, tell my sister to join me. I went to the market, I'm cooking the food, and she's busy being spiritual, sitting at your feet, hearing the word. Me too, I know how to hear what now. She was tired, she was weary. And that was not the first time, or else she would not have complained. It was the last time with Mary. She thinks that she's the only spiritual person. She will believe, don't worry, I'll fast. Your food is nothing. But after she goes and sleeps, you go and steal the soup. Do you know some people like that? You know what we do for some people? Don't let me tell you. Number three reason why people get tired of using opportunities to do good. Because of lack of results and progress in the lives of those to whom or for whom good was done. Lack of result and progress in the life of those to whom and for whom good was done. You have used the opportunity to do good to somebody and you are looking at their lives to see progress and you can't see any. 
I remember someone who came to me years ago. He said, sir, I want to start my business. But you see, I need some money to change my clothes and all that. So I gave him money and he went. He came back after three months. Sir, I will need money for shoes and tie. And I need money to do this. Gave him some money again. After coming about six times in the year. Nothing. Except I will come to the church and cack like this with the clothes that he bought. So I called him one day. I said, I will say, please come. The business you started to said nothing is working. I said, so what you have decided to do is now to become a lamposa in the church. That's why people are tired. It's like pouring water into a bottomless pot. Lack of progress. There was a time I was tired of using opportunity because the people I have been using opportunity to do good to, I cannot see that they are doing anything. And God told me, God said, don't be tired. He said, you have done your own bit. You have used the opportunity you have. Leave them with whatever they want to do with their lives. I remember years ago, one man, I laid hands on him. I prayed for him to be healed. And the man saw me four days later. He said, you remember you prayed for me four days ago? I said, yes. He said, I'm not healed yet, though. So I said to him, I said, do you read the Bible? He said, yes. I said, the Bible says, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. I said, it's for me to lay hands, it's for you to recover. So recover. It's your own problem, it's not me. The Bible did not say if I lay hands on you, I will recover you. I can't recover you. It's not my duty to recover you. If you're not healed, the Bible said, lay hands on the sick and they, not you, shall recover. I said, so, recover! I said, so don't come back and tell me to recover you. It's not my business. I lay hands on you, you recover. If you don't recover, that's your problem. May have laid hands. I can't recover you. Because of lack of result and progress in the life of those to whom we render such assistance. Number four reason why people get tired is because unlike when you use other opportunities, the harvest of this kind of opportunity doesn't so soon and so surely come or are visible. The harvest of the opportunity take longer times in coming. And that's why people get tired. If you lead somebody to Christ, for example, the reward of leading them to Christ may not come until the person eventually gets to heaven. Because you don't have a right to look to the reward until the job is accomplished. So, understand that. That is why people lose heart. People lose interest because they cannot so soon and surely see the result. It seems that it takes time. Because unless the person you lead to Christ eventually make heaven, there is no basis for rewarding you. That is why follow-up is important. That is why visitation is important. That is why for every person you lead to Christ, you must be on the watch out and on the lookout for them to endure to the end. Because until they endure to the end, there is no profit to the person 
who are sown or invested in their lives. And that is why people get tired. They do not so soon see it. They do not. The Bible says in Proverbs 13 verse 2, hope deferred make the soul sick. So the people's soul becomes sick because the hope of harvest as a result of seizing opportunity to do good does not so soon come. And because of that, it makes their soul sick. So they get tired. They get tired. They get tired. For the preacher at times, you preach, you preach, you teach, you preach, you teach, you preach, you teach, you minister, you do that. And people are still going to hotels for a short time. And people are still going to hotels to drink beer. And people are still not living the triumphant life of the sinner. So you, you get tired. And that's why people get tired. People are exhausted. They lose interest. And the Bible says, we should not get tired. Be not weary. Number five. Another reason why people get tired is because Satan wear them out. Satan wear them out with all manners of discouraging things. Read Daniel 7.25. He said one of the aims of the devil is to wear out the saints of God. Is to wear out the saints of God. So you have to keep on you have to keep on keeping on. You have to keep using opportunity. Because we don't know which one will actually produce. We don't know which one will actually produce. The general pastor of the ministry was asked the question. They asked him, why are you starting churches all over the places? Why are you just starting churches like mushroom? He said, we don't know which one of those churches will survive. So let's have as many as possible so that those who survive, survive. Those who die, die. It's a little bit of wisdom in church planting. Because some churches you expect to survive may not. And some you don't expect to survive. That is why people in those days give birth to many children. Susanna Wesley, who is the mother of Charles and John Wesley, had 19 children. 10 of them died. Only 9 survived. In those days, medical science was not so advanced to be able to help uh, uh, pediatric, to be able to help children live. It's not, it's not like today when you have advanced medicine and uh, many children who are born survive and live more than those who die. In those days, it's 50-50. And so people have many children. Susanna Wesley had 19 of them. Ten of them died and nine survived. Two, two of those who survived were Charles and John Wesley. Satan has a way of wearing people out. Using any discouraging development, using uh, whatever means just to wear us out. He will do whatever he can with whatever he can, he can find to wear out the sins of God. He may attack your finances so that you get tired because when you don't have so much money, he may attack your time. He may attack your marriage. At times, the best form of defense for the devil is attack. At times, the reason why he attacks us the way he does is because 
He can shift away our focus from using opportunities to be a blessing to other people. Smite the shepherd, the sheep of the flock will scatter. There have been instances where I promised people that look, okay, I will do this, I will do this, but before it's the time that I've set to do it, I've become so tight and things have become so difficult that I may not be able to do it again as I promised. Not because I changed my promises, but because ability has since been compromised. And so when some people come and say, eh, you're not keeping your promise, I just laugh and forget about it. Because it was my intention, that's why I made a promise. But I'm not God. It's only God who can keep the promises he has made without any changing. Remember I said to you, in an attempt to solve other people's problem, it may create problem for you yourself. And so you need to understand that. That the devil can raise up anything just to make your home unstable so that you will not be the kind of blessing that the opportunities you are going to have will confront you. And that is why you need to look away from the storm and hold fast to the word of God and say what Job said. Though he slay me, yet I will trust in him. I'll do whatever I need to do. Do you know that when you begin to try to help other people, that is why at times some problems begin to come? That is when things no longer begin to work out? Because you get involved with some other persons? Because the devil knows the reward that will come to you from helping others? Not only will he attack you because of you, he'll attack you because of others. The devil will attack you because of others. It is his own way of getting involved with some other people. He will attack you because by attacking you, not only does he incapacitate you, but he also incapacitates someone else. The number of people who attack your life will affect how far the devil can go. And he will always use such targets. I preached a message about two years ago titled Why does Satan attack us? When does he attack us? Where does he attack us? How does he attack us? You need to get all those four tips, four messages to bless you. Why does he attack us? Where? In what area does he attack us? When does he attack us? How does he attack us? When you have made your commitment to someone to help them do, to help them achieve, to help them attain the devil frustrates them by frustrating you. He's a master at such ventures. Because of time, let me give you number six and seven. Before I tidy up the message. Another reason why people grow tired of using opportunity to do good is because of the critics, the criti is because of the criticism of others in their lives and around their lives. Your wife can mount pressure on you. Whenever she sees this brother come, that sister come, I say, Father Christmas. Even the pastor of the church does not do what you are doing. That was what Micaiah said to David. David was jumping and rejoicing before God. He said, ah. The king of Israel today, you are really good. You almost became naked in the eyes of everybody. You know, at times, a colleague can criticize you for doing good. An associate, a significant others, they will come with all manner of criticism. 
She is a single lady. Why are you doing this to her? Why do you allow her to stay on the phone? Pass it on. And you know that can get you tired? You are fighting on two fronts. The devil is fighting you and people are fighting you. Why can't he go to his own parent? Doesn't he have parents? Are they not alive? Well, all those things get you tired. The Bible said there was an unjust judge who never feared man or God. A woman came to him saying, avenge me of my enemies. The, the judge said, do I fear not God but man? But by this continual coming of this woman, she will wear me out. So the man who never feared God or man still did what the woman said importunity. Some people in our lives make us tired. They feel his advice. I can find you. I can find you. I can find you. I can find you. I remember the member of the church who came and told me, he said, ah, Baba won't parody, Ukron Bubu won't parody. And at times I will see the genuine need in the eyes of the person. In the beginning, I never took notice, but at a point in time, by the continual, continual pressure, I became tired. And they will come back with calculation. The so, 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 you, you helped. Where are they? Where are they? The social so person you gave your car to, where is he? The social person you teach, touch and train and give position to, where are they? God said, keep your eyes on me. Keep your eyes on me. Keep your, you see, because I'm not in the same, I, I, you see, I had, had to close my eyes to such. You need a narrow focus. I have said the Lord before me, so my right hand, my eyes are ever towards the Lord and he will take my feet out of the net. People get tired because the devil does not only harass you, but your wife can. Your siblings can. When someone tells someone that you have given them money, they too will come. And that person will not look back here. I watched a film some days ago about a man who was rendered poor. He was a lawyer, successful lawyer. But he became poor because every member of his family had one thing or the other. In the beginning, the wife never really cared. But the point came where the wife would be following around in the home. You want to give me money again? You want to give me money again? I will leave this house. Look, I'll carry the children. I'll look, I'll burn down this house. The man became tired. The siblings were pulling him. The devil was troubling him. His finances were going down. His business was shutting down. And his wife topped it up. She said, I will burn this house down. She said, I'm sending to you about what ma, 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 The man becomes tired. Many things make people get tired. People you have helped who didn't come back. The devil is agitating you. You can't see results in the people's lives. So you get tired. You get tired. But the Bible advises us, be not weary. Don't get tired. 
Don't get tired. Let me close this message quickly here. I can by telling you why we should not be weary. And just give you a few points there why you should not be weary. Why you should not be weary. I've given you six reasons why people are weary and doing good. These are reasons that has affected me. Reasons that have affected me. Even as tried to take opportunities that I believe these reasons have short-circuited the process. I have to make up my mind this year that my eye is going to be on God. Whether people are grateful or not, whether they, they are showing progress or not, I will just do what I need to do. I will do, I will seize the opportunity God gives me to be able to do good to all men. I remember the man who distributed, distributed money to churches with photographs of, of, of sickness. In the sickness he had, he has gone to loot, he has gone to use it. When he collected the money, he went to town and started a bucateria. What do you want us to do to that one? When somebody now asked him, he said, it was hunger that made him to tell a lie and God has forgiven him. Let me ask you, does God forgive such people? <laughs> does God, well, he, he said God has forgiven him. He collected, he had picture. He went to use it to take picture of various people sick with various ailments and he was circulating it as if to say he was the one. The name was his name but the picture was not him. When he got the money, he went and set up a bucateria. Anybody who goes to eat in a bucateria, what will happen? Amen. <laughs> Let me close. Let me close here. Why we shouldn't be weary? Number one, we shouldn't be weary because we are admonished not to be. That's what the scripture says in Galatians 6, 9. It tells us, and let us not be weary in well-doing. We shouldn't be because the Bible says we should not. It's an advice you and I should take. Because God himself knows as human beings. Do you know, I wanted to do this study in the Bible. Look at the places where God said he was worried by people. Do you know people worry God? In the wilderness, he was, he was tired of those people. He had to kill them. He was tired. He was tired of consistent disobedience. You have worried people, but even God at times get tired of some people. He got tired of Jonah and his pranks. He set him aside and forgot about him. So you should not be worried because the Bible advises us to. So take the advice. I have taken the advice this year. I will use and I will keep using every opportunity. And so those people who have probably, who had opportunity knew, who have been presented to me before as opportunities and I had used that opportunity but who have messed it up. It doesn't mean that if I see opportunity in their lives to better them, I will still not use it. I will use it because I'm dealing with God and not with them. God told me he said I will deal with them according to what they do and I will deal with you according to what you do. So you do what is right. Do what is right. Do what is right. Do what is good. Do what I will do if I were there. I will have no basis to judge them 
if I did not give them the opportunity, I gave them through you. They will blame me, I did not give them opportunity, but I have given them the opportunity through you. So I will have a reason to blame them and to judge them because I gave them an opportunity through you. So do what you need to do. So I said, I will do what I need to do. Nobody can stop me using opportunities that present themselves in people's lives. Nobody can. I refuse to be stopped. There was a stage in this church, I had five million naira of my money in the heart of church members. Five million. One man came to me one day and said, he says, I don't like the way you always look in my direction to read the message. Somebody I gave money to. So you're always looking and you're pointing like this. He said, when I change location, you point again. I say, ah! Say, am I the only one in the church? Because I owe you money. Ah, sir, even God, come, he, 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 he paid a debt he did not owe. I said, oh, so what's the meaning of that? He said, sir, the blood of Jesus cleans, cleans. I said, this debt is too difficult. I had to forget it eventually. Because the man was going to leave the church. One day he came to me and said, ah, excuse me, is it because of that chicken change you have bought me? Ah, has God blessed you because you blessed me? Yeah, have you not received blessing from God? Ah, because of me? Have you not been blessed? Ah. He has not paid the money and is behaving like he's my, he's my master. And I said, oh, how long? At Walurugore. That was what I said. But God said, no, 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 no never do that. Narrow focus. If you are going to be able not to be tired, let your narrow, just look at me. I'm the one you are dealing with. He that giveth to the poor, lendeth to the Lord. I've not said this today so that you can present yourself and say, I'm an opportunity. Me too, I'm an opportunity to you. Number two, why we shouldn't be worried? We shouldn't be worried because we have the capability and capacity not to be worried. It means if I am worried, it's because I allow it. Because the Bible here says, and let us not, which means it is something you and I have control over. Let us not be wary in well-doing. Let us not be. Which means you and I have the capability and capacity not to be wary in well-doing. It is not something that I cannot do. I can't help myself. I'm tired. You have been tired at times like that before and you took, you encouraged yourself in the Lord that you received strength. You waited upon the Lord and the Lord repaired your energy. You don't need to be wary because you have the capacity to bounce out of it. I was wary. A few years ago, I was wary. Whenever any church member come and say, excuse me, I want to see you, I say, huh? Uh, you see, there's this business. In fact, by the time they finish, probably I'm asleep. I shut my mind. Because what is the guarantee? That this one would not say, hey, sincerely, I'm different too. Sincerely. Do you know that's what everybody says? So those of you sisters who have suffered in the hands of brothers, they will tell you, I'm different from that last brother, and we treat you right. Do, do they, do they, do they? Do, do ask a sister, and I said, do they? Yo, what? Yo, my toast 
Any time she loaded you, Duke, your loss, I go literally, could Duke, but not one lally, me laying. I know a man that single handedly I got him a wife, single handedly I married the wife for him, single handedly I paid the money for everything when they gave back to a child, and I had the statement he made concerning me. Ha! When I had, I could not sleep. I opened to someone old night, I wanted to read it. But God says, it is for me you've done it. Anything you do for anybody, you know who you are doing it for? It's God. Remove your eyes from man. The best of men are their best are still men. Matthew 25, 35 to 36. Let's read that and close. Matthew 25, 35 to 36. Some of you have, we have signed up. In fact, there are some people who come to church and say, I'm not going to be committed to this church because of the last pastor. From the church I was. Ah! That pastor messed me up. So we read. For I was hungered and you gave me meat. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. Verse 36. Naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came unto me. Verse 37. Go ahead. Verse 37. Then shall the righteous answer him saying, Lord, when saw we thee a hunger and fed thee, or thirsty and gave thee drink? Verse 38. When saw we thee a stranger and took thee in, or naked and clothed thee? Verse 39. Or when saw we thee sick or in prison and came unto thee? Verse 14. And the Bible says, And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as you have done it, unto one of the least of these brethren, you have done it to me. Everybody say it is finished. That is what keeps me going. God said, you are, it is me you are doing it to. So whatever I do for anybody, no matter what they do to me, I never bother. I just say, God, look at him. Whatever anybody makes of what you do for them is not what will determine your reward. It's the fact that you did it based on the fact that God gave you the opportunity to do it. So as you have opportunity, let's do good to all men. Especially those of the household of faith. Look at your neighbor and say, will you do me good? Tell your neighbor, you can't trust me with what I will do. But you can trust God with what he will do. Tell him, I can 